0: Hey, everybody. Dr. Josh Axe here. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a fantastic guest, Emily Abade. She is a expert in fitness. Uh, In fact, she is a marathon runner and triathlete. She's also uh, really done an amazing job of helping others create some really... uh, incredible brand. She was born and raised in Connecticut. Now she lives in the Upper East Side of New York. And today we're going to talk about all kinds of things. I'm so impressed with her. I've read a lot about her story. She is really into fitness now. Earlier in her life, she wasn't and she lost a lot of weight. She's going to talk to us about here as well. But Emily, hey, welcome to to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Sure. Well, you know, I know you've got an amazing backstory, which I would love for my audience to hear. I know that anytime we, you know, one of the things that I love, I love having people on the podcast who have done significant things, you know, maybe they've, uh, you know, overcome a big obstacle in their life. Share with us about your uh your health transformation.
1: Of course. So when I I grew up in Connecticut, I went to the University of Connecticut and growing up, I did my fair share of weight cycling. Uh just seeing the numbers on the scale go up and down. There are points in my adolescence into my teen years where I was really active and other times not so much. Uh, and I got to college and was prepping for a final uh exam and sitting in my dorm room and something came over me that night in uh perhaps a a bit of procrastination that i decided to get on the scale and try to confront something that i already knew was quite the issue uh and so i stepped on the scale i tapped it i saw the numbers take time to populate which felt like forever and what was three seconds of waiting uh it felt like an eternity. And I got on the scale and I saw 204 pounds. And for someone standing just shy of five foot four, uh, that was was a lot. And not only was the number on the scale one thing, but at the time I was just completely not happy. I wasn't happy in my own body. I felt uh, really alone. I felt ashamed. And at the time, you know, Back in 2007, there weren't a lot of women that I would see in either modern media or conventional media at the time or, uh, you know, certainly in advertisements of women that were my size. And so I felt like I was doing everything wrong. And and that that moment changed everything for me in that I threw on a a pair of cotton leggings and an old high school volleyball sweatshirt and I put on some sneakers and sprinted out my dorm for about fifteen seconds until I couldn't run anymore. And I fell over in the wet grass and I looked up at the stars in stores, Connecticut, and I just knew that I needed to make a lasting change. I needed to do something to get better, to get healthier, and most importantly, to start to love the relationship that I had with myself again. And so it took a lot of effort as it does uh, to undergo any big change. You have to make a commitment to yourself. And so I committed to lose weight. And at the time when I started, I didn't have any specific number in mind. All I knew was that I wanted to get healthier. I wanted to make a difference for myself and I wanted to be- to have a better quality of life. And so the first bit was learning how to eat better, not eating banana chocolate chip ice cream with every meal. Of course, uh, not having tater tots and sweet potato fries and mm-hmm. God, every potato you can imagine in every meal of some sort. And um, so the first part was learning how to eat better and exercising a bit of portion control. And I just think that it's really important to to note here that I've never been a I cannot have this food sort of person. I grew up in a huge Italian family. I am forever going to tell you that the all good things can happen in moderation. So for me it was never an elimination way. It was just learning how to eat better and to to eat smarter and to really listen to my body. And then the second half of that weight loss, which would ultimately be 70 pounds, was learning to love running. And man, that took a sheer amount of time as well.
0: Oh, wow, man. Amazing. You know, I, I have so many questions to ask just even based on that. You know, I think for a lot of people uh, over time, I think a lot of people realize I shouldn't eat, overeat the carbohydrates. I shouldn't eat fried foods. I shouldn't, you know, eat fast food. But I think the hard thing for most people is sort of finding this internal, this motivation, this inspiration to change. And maybe even, hey, how do I go from point A to point B? How does that actually happen? So one of my questions for you would be, how did you go from point A to point B? Like you said, hey, you set a goal for yourself. What were some of the key factors in you actually reaching those goals? So like, and you kind of alluded to this, did you say, did you say there was a specific number? You didn't. And then did you track yourself? Like, like what did it take to go from where you were to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I think from the get-go, it was all about setting SMART goals. And I'm sure many of your listeners have heard this acronym before, Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-bound. I did not start my weight loss journey of sorts and say to myself i want to lose 70 pounds in fact that number was never even on my radar i wanted to do simple things like have energy when i walked up the big hill between my dorm and the lecture hall for my thursday 9am class i wanted to take a photo with friends and not be so worried of how i would look and if i was standing in the right place and if my arm looks big or small i wanted to be able to just be more confident. And so it started by setting those smart goals, something specific. I wanted to be able to run for five minutes without stopping. I mean, I didn't start out right off the bat and say to myself, you know what I'm going to do in three years from now, I'm going to run a half marathon it's great to have goals like that. And trust me, at the time I had ideas or thoughts of what those big goals could look like, but I wasn't running after those big goals. I was running after much more attainable, realistic things that felt like they were, were within my reach. And I think something also really important for anyone, no matter what goal it is that you are going after, is to celebrate those small wins, right? Oftentimes when we're churning away, we're working hard, Hard, whether you know it's professionally or personally, and we check off these things from our to-do list or these goals, we can get really caught up and not take the time to recognize all of the hard work and all of the effort. So on that note, I will say that I made it a really big point, a very big criteria criteria to continually celebrate the wins as they came. I, as the numbers on the scale did go down, would celebrate with things like going to get my nails done. Or of course there was the sporadic food indulgence. I remember when I was losing weight back in college, my treat, so to speak, would be a glazed stick donut from Dunkin' Donuts. And I would have one regularly and it was okay. I could make it a part of this newer, healthier lifestyle for myself within moderation, right? So just setting smart goals and of course, celebrating those small wins as they happened.
0: I love it. I I think, I mean, you you said some key things there. I think, you know, and and one of the things I'm hearing you say too is it sounds doable. I mean, you're not telling everybody that you can only eat sticks and grass, you know, like, like a lot of diets are. You're not saying, um, you know what, you got to work out three hours a day. You're saying, Hey, you know what, you got to get better every day. You've got to say, I, I love the smart goals thing. And I love celebrate your victories. I mean, again, like if you're being a, you know, at least an eight time marathon runner looking at, you have these mile markers and Hey, you know, let's celebrate a little bit at each mile marker along the way. And I think that makes it so much more manageable. Let me ask you this. Cause one of the things I would guess, and I don't, I haven't read this, but one of the things I would guess about you now, I'm my background uh, is, as a, uh, as, as a triathlete. Um, and so I've ran, yeah, I've probably done about 10 triathlons in the past and it's been a few years now. Um, and I've, and I've ran quite a few, you know, 10Ks, half marathons as well. And one of the things that I loved most was doing it as part of a community, like with friends. And so I would love to hear from you, how, how important do you think that is? Having a community of, of, of people and what do you look for in that community? How do you find that group? But how big has that been in, in your health journey?
1: Of course. I think that uh, it doesn't need to be the biggest of communities from day one. I think the most important thing you can do right off the bat is share what your goals are or how you're feeling with someone else. I think a lot of the time we can feel alone in our struggles. We can feel as though no one really understands what's going on, but no one can understand if you aren't willing to open up and be upfront with what's happening with you. So, First things first, talk to a friend or family member about what it is that you're after. And then from there, you can kind of seek out a community that works for you. For me, for example, I've been living in New York City for about eight years now. I've been part of the running community, but I haven't actively sought out other runners here until within the last few years. Only just recently did I become part of a local track club here, Brooklyn Track Club, and then started running with another group on the weekends called Old Man Run Club. And for me, this community, I think what's so important about both of them is that they build me up. And I, in turn, build them up. I show up for them just like they do for me. You want to find people that support you in your endeavors, no matter how maybe sometimes crazy your goals might feel. These people, you want them to be your hype man and you want to feel comfortable around them. You want to be able to be your whole self. And so for me, when it comes to running and my community, I mean, I'm so grateful. I had some really big personal records in the past year and I'm not too sure if those would have been possible without the support of both of those communities.
0: I love it. It's awesome. All right. So let's talk about uh, one of the other things, just going back to a few things I've heard you say in just a few phrases so far, Um, you said early on in our interview, you had to start to love yourself again. Talk to me about that. Just elaborate a little bit on how important that is and what were some things that you had to start to do to, to, to love yourself?
1: I think it's really important that you have to learn how to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can show up for other people, before you can help other people. And for me, I've always been someone who wants to show up for others, but I realized that with time, if I wasn't okay with who I was, if I didn't feel comfortable, me, Emily, as myself, then I was Going to be able to serve and help the people that I cared about in a way that was really functional and something that was really, you know, good. For both of us, and so for me, um, I truly believe that when you develop that self confidence, when you can be your own hype man, that is when you have the opportunity to really serve others. And for me, when it came to loving myself, that is something you know to this day I'm still working on. You know, it's not like one day someone flips a switch and all of a sudden you are doused in self love and you are a hundred percent ready to do it all give it all, show up day in and day out. It doesn't work like that. But what it can look like is consistent compassion, right? Every day, think about how you're speaking to yourself. You know, we are the person that we talk to most in any given day. Every day you hear yourself speak more than anybody else. So you owe it to yourself to let that conversation be a good conversation, a positive conversation, one that makes you feel valuable. Again, going back to this idea that you need to value yourself. You need to understand what you have to offer so that you can better show up for others. So by investing in myself, when I believed that I was worthy of my own investment of making healthier decisions, of eating better, of giving back to myself, of getting more sleep, of moving my body regularly, by doing these things for me, I was then better for everyone that I cared about.
0: I love it. I love the part about investing in yourself too. And and understand your own self-worth, Like, what do you have to offer? And I think that's so important. So one of, the, one of the things encourage everybody to do, take some time, write down, what are your greatest gifts? What do you have to offer the world? And uh, I mean, I think another important part, we talked about community, but having those people around you that are encouragers, aren't dragging you down, that you can connect with on those very things. So talking about eating in your right, like, like potatoes, you know, all of the, uh, you know, the, the, the different sort of, um, hash browns and, uh, I forget what the little, what are the little round, uh, oh, tater, tater tots. tots. There you go. <laughs> tater tots, man. You know what? I mean, I, you know, when I was back in elementary school, I ate a lot of tater tots. I don't know that I've had a tater tot for, you know, 25 years, but man, those were, those were good. <laughs> find a healthy way to make one here, uh, maybe this week. But, uh, anyways, all that being said, you said you had to learn how to eat better. Share with me sort of what how did you do that? Did you start it, start reading online? Did you start reading books? Did you you know connect with somebody? Like like how did you start to learn to eat better?
1: I think what really worked for me at the time was keeping a food journal. You know, there's so much research about what happens when we go to write down what it is that we're going to put in our bodies. And sometimes if you do it proactively, then you can set the tone for the day. And if you're doing it right after it happens, then you can be conscious of how some of the decisions that you're making with what you're putting into your body, how those foods or those decisions really make you feel. So for me, I started to notice a lot of the unhealthy patterns I had when I took the time to write things down. When you're writing down in the same day, ice cream two or three times a day, that's a clear sign that maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Again, what can I be replacing that with? If at two o'clock I want a snack and I don't want it to be ice cream for the second or third time of the day, then what is a healthier option that I can replace that with that I won't feel that same amount of guilt with. And again, I don't want to preach any sort of crazy restrictive lifestyle. What I do want to say is that for me, noticing the patterns, noticing some of the unhealthy choices that I was making at the time, made me appreciate some of these things in different ways. Now, you know, if it's Friday night, every single Friday night for the past two months, I have made homemade pizza. It is something I look forward to all week on pizza Friday. And I make the pizza and I have a couple pieces and I freeze the rest for later. And this is something that I learned while I was going through this weight loss that I can have the things that I want. I can have my cake. I just don't need to eat it four times a day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. You know, it's funny. I mean, Chelsea and I, my wife, we do, we have pizza Friday too. So we do that. Pretty consistently. And I think one of the things you mentioned made me think about this, like you talked about earlier, sort of celebrating those victories. And I think there's a few things that are important that you talked about. It's celebrating yourself, it's celebrating the victories and celebrating food in a healthy way. You know, I think about, you know, alcohol, for instance, you know, having a drink, a single glass of wine has been done for thousands of years can be relaxing, good for your heart. But it's really as soon as you go over a glass or so, it starts to cause inflammation. It starts to cause toxicity to the liver. So there's something to be said about doing things in the right amounts. And again, pizza. Hey, you can do pizza, especially if it's these clean, healthy ingredients. You know, if you're using, uh, you know, clean and healthier ingredients, there. You know, you can do pizza Friday even more often. But again, I love that you said that there's sort of scheduling in these regular uh, celebrations. My mentor used to call them. He he told me this early on. He was an amazing guy. He worked with the uh, Olympic team and he had told me as a physician, and he had said, you know, uh, cause I came out of an industry that was very much into fitness, triathlon, and then also some bodybuilding. I worked out a lot. And you know, everyone called him cheat days. And he was like, do not call them cheat days. He's like, schedule in two vacation meals. He's like, you don't wanna, it's not good to be a cheater. You don't wanna sort of see yourself as, I thought it was good. And he was like, you know, schedule those vacation meals." And so I started doing that in college. Like I would eat clean Monday through Friday. And then Friday night and Saturday, just for that 24-hour period, so I would have my vacation meals. But anyways, anyways, I love that you're uh, you know, sort of talking about the, the, the pizza Friday.
1: You make me wanna have pizza Tuesday, too.
0: There we go. Hey, maybe. <laughs> hey, guys, if you've been following me for a while now, then you know what a big fan I am of collagen. There are so many benefits, including better joint health, gut health, better skin, hair, and nails, and so much more. And now it's easier than ever to get your daily dose with my new multi-collagen capsules from Ancient Nutrition. These capsules contain a unique blend of fermented collagen inspired by ancient principles, including type 1, 2, 3, 5, and 10 collagen. Whether you're looking for a balanced whole body wellness, a more restful night's sleep, better beauty that radiates from the inside out, or healthier gut or joints, Ancient Nutrition's multi collagen protein line can provide the support you need. Learn more about these benefits by searching Ancient Nutrition multi collagen capsules on Google, Amazon, or DrAxe.com. All right, so you've ran eight marathons. How many marathons? Eight, is that right? Eight marathons. Eight marathons. Okay. So with running eight marathons, and by the way, I know like that's a long distance, you know, it's, it start, you start to feel it. Like you start to feel, for me, I feel it in my hips, you know, everybody feels at different areas. Sometimes your knees, different areas, but, um, you know, how did, uh, I guess, what are some of the most important things? If we have people listening right now, they're saying to themselves, okay, I want to go from either couch or let's say a 5k level to be able to do a marathon. What are some of the components and pieces? Like what, what are some of the most important things people need to consider or do in order to be able to do a marathon?
1: First things first, again, let's revisit that idea of setting SMART goals. I didn't start running and say to myself, I'm going to run a marathon in three months from now. That wouldn't be very smart. I actually ran what was a half mile. I thought at the time it was a full mile. Every day for seven and a half weeks when I learned to like running. I never liked running growing up. I actually didn't make my JV high school volleyball team because I couldn't run a mile in under 10 minutes. So when I got to running later in life, when I was about 20 years old, I started really slow and I went out every day and I ran for 14 minutes and it was a half mile. And that was that. And what I learned that summer was I didn't need to be the fastest or run the longest. All I needed to do was commit to something to give myself the opportunity to be better and then learn how to take the next step. And so for me, I committed to those 14 minutes every day. And that little bit of running turned into some more running and soon that half mile became a 5k and that 5k drove me to being nervous as anything as i signed up for my first half marathon and soon enough the half marathon became a full marathon and so on and so forth but the thing that I learned and I shared this with a friend recently was that I would never be a three hour, 28 minute marathoner if I hadn't run a half mile every day in 14 minutes for an entire summer. So just be easy on yourself. Understand that progress takes Time and understand that as long as you commit, as long as you make the decision that you want to run, you want to give it a whirl, that is what opens up the door to bigger potential. You just can't bite off more than you can chew right off the bat.
0: I love it. It's a sort of spirit of determination, you know, willpower, and just saying, you know what, I'm going to do it, even if I have a bad day, even if it didn't go so well. Because I know when you first, I remember when I first started training for triathlons. I had major issues with shin splints, and it took me a year before they were gone. And I had to start off, just start off running half miles, similar thing, and just slowly, slowly work my way. Up. I had to see some therapists on my, you know, my uh, my gait when I was running and things. Even though I played in high school, after a couple of years, I think things just changed. But anyway,s all that being said, I think I, that's one of the things I love just hearing your story, hearing about you, and you talk about this is your level of determination, and I think that's so important for, that that people have you know, I think that's a big part of what you're saying. You know, one of the things I've been so impressed with just before our interview, I took some time and, you know, read some of your articles and went through and just read up on, uh, just being impressed with a lot of what you've done, but you're a great writer. You know, you've taken time and you write about a lot of your journey and you've, I've seen some great interviews and I'd love to ask you about a person or two you've interviewed too as well. I read an article where you talked about chia seeds though. I want to hear more about this. I'd love to hear more about a couple of things. One, um, I think the article you answer the question, do chia seeds help you lose weight or not? Would love to hear your thoughts there. Also, what do you eat on a daily basis? Like, if we would follow you around for the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, any snack or dessert, like, what does your personal diet typically look like?
1: Oh, goodness. Well, every day is certainly, certainly different. I think, men, like many of us, we have a few uh, different go to meals that we. You know, lean into on the regular. For me, breakfast can be anything from oatmeal or yogurt with berries to a protein shake. I always make sure to kickstart my day um, with a shaker bottle of athletic greens. It makes me feel so much better. And I notice a true difference if I'm not having that if I, if I skip it by accident because the day gets away from me. Uh, lunches are usually something like a salad or some sort of vegetable protein situation, and then the same for dinner. But I really do like to get creative. I've been cooking so much more uh, lately, uh, spending so much time at home. And so for me, I mean, I love to experiment. Again, I'm not just having pizza Friday where I'm grabbing a frozen pizza from the store and running with it. I'm making these pizzas from scratch. I have a favorite pizza shop here in New York City called Emily. And they have a cookbook that I purchased not all that long ago. And for the past seven weeks, I've been making a different pizza from the cookbook every Friday, trying different things, just really, you know, flexing my chef muscles. So everything, you know, everything every day is a little bit different. Um, On your note on the chia seed things, I haven't made chia seed pudding in a while, which you're kind of tempting me to give it a whirl. I mean, obviously with anything, it depends how you incorporate it into your diet, right? Chia seeds, they're a great Source of protein. Now, just a disclaimer I am not a registered dietitian. This is just from all of my talking to the experts and bringing that uh, information. I think the article you were talking about was from Women's Health Magazine. And so, in that article, you know, I talked about chia seeds being a great dose of protein um, and that they can help you lose weight depending on how they integrate into your diet. So again, just like with anything, everything in moderation, no single food ingredient is going to be the quote unquote secret to weight loss, so to speak.
0: Couldn't agree more. I'm with you. And one of the secrets there is, and this is what you're doing with your diet. It's, hey, you're replacing bad stuff with good stuff. And over time, good stuff starts to happen to your, you know, happen to your body. So I think that's, uh, I think mean, that's wise. You know, one of the things, I again, I was impressed with, I saw that you know, you've know you got a podcast and, and you've interviewed people. I, mean, I want to encourage everybody, hey, check out Emily's podcast. It's called Hurdle, and you can simply go to uh, her website. It's Emily Abate, um, uh, dot com or E-A-B-B-A-T-E, and you can find some really great stuff on there. You can check out a lot of her articles she's written, which are excellent. You can learn more about how to train on there. Uh, as well, but I've seen I've seen you've interviewed some interesting people. Who are some of the most interesting people you've interviewed? You know, in the past year or two, and w- what did you learn from them?
1: Yeah, I mean, God, I feel so fortunate with Hurdle uh, to have the opportunity to sit down with everyone from elite athletes to top CEOs and talk about their toughest moments and you know, what they've learned, I, uh, some of my favorite people on the show, ranging from Andy Pudicombe, the co-founder of Headspace. We actually caught up just the other day. Uh, Rich Froning, a CrossFit legend, four-time fittest man on earth. Uh, Tia Claire Toomey, also a CrossFitter, Catherine David's daughter in the running world. Uh, everyone from Des Linden to Molly Seidel, uh, who, blew everyone out of the water at this year's Olympic marathon trials. Uh, I mean, the list of people that inspire me that I've had the opportunity to sit down with, it's really, really endless. And what I think, you know, the biggest takeaway that you get listening to Hurdle on the regular uh, is that, you can do hard things and everyone is going to have things in their life that are hard and they might not look the same your hurdles and someone else's hurdles will look different but the reality is is that with the right amount of grit, and the right amount of determination, you can persevere through anything that you put your mind to. And so when you sit down with these elite athletes, with these top CEOs, they really have that 1% edge, that little spark inside of them that makes them you know, tick just a little bit differently. And God, do I feel so appreciative, not only for their time, but for the lessons they share with me, which then I can then in turn, share with my audience on the hurdle feed.
0: Yeah, I read a little bit of the Rich Froning interview, which is great. You know, he's in Tennessee, actually not far from Nashville here. Well, what have you learned from Rich and sort of interviewing him? Anything uh, that you really stood out to him, uh, to, to you about him?
1: I mean Rich's whole thing is family first. I think, you know, you mm. look at the guy, he's a he's a strong man, a fierce competitor and I would have to say probably to some a little bit intimidating, but Rich is a father first and an athlete second and he has found a really great way to incorporate Two of his biggest passions, being a dad and being an athlete, into this remarkable way of life. I mean, I've been to his house. We've spent you know 48 hours together, and at his house, he has a state-of-the-art gym that they turned that they made from a barn, and he does this so he can spend as much time as possible with his three kids and his wife, and really give both things all that he can. Uh, within reason, so like I said, fierce competitor, but an outrageous, outrageous husband, father, and all around just such a great guy.
0: Man, I love that. I love that. Yeah, anytime you can see anybody who has that sort of, you know, priorities, you know, correct in their life, man, that's uh, I love that. That's inspirational. Um, so a few other questions. So you're you're kind of balancing a few things in life. You know, you've got obviously the you know fitness career, the things you're doing there. Ah, uh, you know your own personal life, but also you've got this really flourishing business online. You've got a fantastic you know Twitter and Instagram page. your uh, you know your your podcast, of course, is taking off. what What do you think in terms of sort of life and business principles? What are some of the things you do that you believe have been integral in your success in your business as well?
1: I think the most important thing when it comes to being an entrepreneur is being realistic with your goals and making, the time to set these goals. A lot of the time we'll talk about what our aspirations are. I want to be a great podcaster. I want to write for four different media outlets. I want to, of course, in my personal life, be a great daughter, a great sister, a great friend. But you need to take the time to really set benchmarks for success for yourself and follow up on them. So for me, for example, when I launched Turtle at the very end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I did so after months of preparation and then kind of setting the framework up for myself so that I could be successful. Not only did I take the time to sit down with other podcasters to ask them all of the questions that I could muster out, but Then I set myself up for success by having episodes in the bank, talking to as many people as possible, uh, getting graphics made, going through a checklist that would enable me to launch it in a way that I wanted to. And then again revisiting the goals that you set for yourself. So if on January 1st of the new year, for example, my goal was to write for four media outlets and release 12 podcasts in a certain amount of time and and make a trip with my dad or something like that, then I had to look at my calendar and break down how I was going to make each of these things happen. You know, again, don't Get too big for your britches, so to speak. Like, make the time to dedicate to the things that you're passionate about. And I think what you'll realize in that pursuit for the things that set your soul on fire is that you're not going to give your energy to things that you're not excited about. So, if we're lucky enough, which I feel as though I am, to live a life where my career is literally full of things that make me excited. And if you aren't passionate, then you're going to let those other things fall by the wayside. So commit yourself to the stuff that makes you excited, commit yourself to being better about staying on top of your goals. And you'll see some really great successes in both the short and the long term.
0: I love it. And this applies to everything you're talking about to, to your fitness life, of course, your personal life, to your business and career. And again, a, a couple of things there that I, I just took away that were big is, you know, one, do what you're passionate about. I mean, that's something not, you know, a lot of people aren't doing. So the more and more you can find a way to do what you love and you're passionate about, that's number one. Number two, schedule it. You know, like, you know, for Emily here, like you are passionate about doing marathons as well, but you have to schedule that. I'm sure you've got in your schedule four to, you know, maybe five days a week where you're going on certain runs and it's just part of your schedule and you just, you show up and do it. You know, I think part of it is just showing up and then uh, you know, getting, you know, just being determined to get through it, sort of no matter what. And uh, I want to encourage everybody, check out Emily's podcast. Uh uh you can simply go to E A B B A T E, Emilyabate.com or eabate.com, and you can find out more. She also is on the radio. And also she's a running coach. So if you're looking at somebody, let's say you're a runner listening to this and you want to get some help with your running. I saw that she's got, uh, she's actually done some of that. Uh, in, in the past. And so you can check that out under training on her website as well. But again, I want to encourage you guys to check out the podcast. A lot of the articles she's written on self, uh, magazine.com shape magazine, men's health, women's health, all over the place, all the health. Okay. All the all health the magazines, health. uh, you, you can find Emily on and just want to say, Hey, Emily, thanks so much for being part of our program. And what, what, what do you think is the, uh, what's the best place to find you in terms of social media?
1: Of course. So you can always check me out on Instagram over at Emily Abadi, also on Twitter and Facebook. And then as far as hurdle goes, it's at hurdle podcast and hurdle can be found wherever you get your podcast or at the website hurdle.us.
0: Awesome. Well, Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks uh, to Emily Abadi for being on today. And uh, again, Hey, appreciate you, your passion, your wisdom. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Make sure to go to my recent Instagram post and let me know what your favorite part of the show was. Also, don't forget to follow me at Dr. Josh Axe there on Insta where I cover the latest health trends, natural medicine, and so much more. Also, if you're loving this podcast, do me a big favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Thanks so much for being on mission with me. See you next week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.